be seated. Pray with me, would you? God, I, I am so grateful for your word. It brings so much truth. And, and oftentimes, Lord, those truths are true whether we know you or not. God, I, I love the invitation to live with an undivided heart, to focus on one thing and, and one thing only, God. And I'm so grateful in myriad ways people do that. They find something that is important to them and they focus on it. But God, I'm so conscious of how many times I have put my weight down on something that was not worthy of that weight. And you were merciful. You were gracious. You didn't judge me or condemn me. I'm not forever, even as, as Jacob, walking with a limp because of my foolishness. I know your, your love and grace and mercy are so much greater than that. But God, what a privilege it is to make the one thing in our lives something that is worthy of it. Something that could bear the weight of not just mine, but all of our affections and attention. Oh God, I worship you. Thank you for who you are. You have proven yourself glorious over and over and over again. It makes me feel so foolish. God, when my affections run after other things, when I take my eyes off of you and succumb to the myriad temptations of the world around me, to, to somehow discount what you have said and to believe what oh, some foolish pop star or athlete tells me is true. God, I... I ask your forgiveness for the, for the times when I've discounted what you have said. Or even in my religious way, said, did God really say that? I know where that comes from, God. And it's not you. It's the world. It's my own flesh. It's, it's the evil one. God, that just makes me all the more grateful that in Christ I find Forgiveness. In Christ, I can lay aside all those other things. So forgive us our sins, God, for they are many. They are many. In Jesus' name, God, we ask you to cleanse us of all of that unrighteousness. And in Jesus' name, we ask you to free us from the captivity of of our own sin. In Jesus' name, we declare, God, we declare that the old has passed away and, and the new has come. Holy Spirit, just move about the room, would you? And those places where men and women, where students, even children, God, are struggling to overcome the temptations of this world. Lift up our heads, God. Would you paint such a beautiful image of 
the love and nature and character of God that everything else, God, everything else would pale in comparison. And then, God, we will look forward to that day when not only are we freed from the penalty of sin, but we're freed from the very presence of it. Until that day, God, draw us near to you. Until that day, allow us to read and hear and understand the wisdom of your words so that when when other philosophies vie for our attention, we would recognize them. We would be able to speak to them. We would not only be delivered, but that through us, other people might be delivered as well. We love you, God. As we gather here, there are many concerns, physical, emotional, and spiritual. Thank you that you are everything. Thank you that you are sufficient for everything we face. We love you, God. We ask this all in the precious name of our Savior, Jesus. Amen. Hey, uh, keep your finger if you still have it or your, your tab there on Colossians. We're going to go back and pick up an old memory verse from way back when. Uh, and it's directly related to our scripture. But uh, what I love about God's word is that it's one story from the very beginning, right? Genesis 1 all the way to the end of Revelation. It's one message and one story. And so every once in a while when you're dealing with a concept like today, walking in a manner worthy of Christ, when you're dealing with things, you realize that God's been saying that same message for, for thousands of years, right? So turn with me, if you would, to Psalm 1. Psalm 1. In my pattern, I, I encounter this psalm on the first day of every month. Psalm 1. We're going to read verses 1 through 3 of Psalm 1. Hear the word of God, would you? How blessed is the man or woman who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Look at this vision here, this beautiful vision. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. And its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, in all that she does, they prosper, right? The very word of God. Thank you, God. And now to our passage, if you would. Uh, Several people have approached me and said, are you really going to go after all of that in in one message? I have to because it's all encapsulated. And I want to present it to you so that if we don't make it all the way through, that you can go back and... And feast on these very real and practical insights from the Apostle Paul about living in the world today. We are in Colossians chapter 2. I'm going I'm to pick it up awkwardly in, in verse 4. And then we'll, we'll join verse 6 is really where we're starting today. But in verse 4, Paul says, I say this, all the things he said last week. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I'm absent, and the implication is from you in the body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. 
therefore. There's one of those powerful therefores, right? Because of these things, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, that's critical, right? As you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Now see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to the human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him, this is, this is one of those um, rhapsodies, one of those incredible expressions of the nature of Christ. For in him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. In other words, he's talking about not a physical circumcision, but a spiritual one, right? A spiritual circumcision. Having been buried with him in baptism, thinking of you, Vince, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. He did this by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with all its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities, all the people that were judging us, right? He, uh, he put them to open shame by triumphing over them in Christ. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of things to come. And look at the, look at the comparison of words here. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance of things to come, the reality of things to come, belongs to Christ. So let no one disqualify you, insisting upon asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions, puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. If With Christ, you died to the elemental spirits of the world. Why? Why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Don't handle this. Do not taste. Do not touch. Referencing to things that all perish as they are used. Paul's flabbergasted here. He says, why do you do this? According to human precepts and teaching." Now, these have indeed the appearance of wisdom. Remember our struggle. We want to have the wisdom that God freely gives. 
These indeed have the appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the bodies, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. The very word of God. Oh, thank you, God. Wow, wow, he's, uh, he's delivering today, isn't he? My goodness, my goodness. I, I love it that, that the Apostle Paul, like, like we were able to do a few moments ago in worship, can just revel in the presence of Christ. I love it that the Apostle Paul can cast a beautiful vision of what relationship with God is. But I love it. I stumbled as I said that. I love it that he also recognizes that sometimes you just got to call what you see what you see, right? You have got to speak truth in a way to protect the flock, to, to keep us from harm. You might remember that, that last, and you're welcome to follow along in the notes if you'd like here. Last week, Paul cast a beautiful vision. It was huge, but maybe one way of remembering it is that his vision was that your heart might be encouraged, right? That your heart might be encouraged. That your heart would be, and I say yours, he was speaking to the Colossians, but he's speaking also to the Laodiceans, right? And to the people of Heropolis and to the men and women who seek to follow Jesus in the 21st century here as well, right? He prays that our hearts would be knit together with other believers. Remember that from last week? was such a beautiful thing. He, he prayed that your heart might reach full assurance of and in Christ. Right? Wow. We like to tease our, our grandchildren. And I've got to be very careful because I don't remember all the time that they don't have the, the foundation that I have in relationships um, when I'm when I'm teasing my brother Bill back there, when we're teasing each other at lunch at Canton, right? We know we have the foundation. We know when one another is teaching, and I have to be careful with my grandkids because they don't have that foundation yet. I, you know, I'm, I, I got to be careful that I don't that I don't wound the very people that I want to bless and and love. And and um, what I love about my all oh, my children, but. Um, uh, I'm thinking we had Leo's birthday yesterday, is, is my children are so good at giving that assurance to their children, right? They, they, there's no doubt where love is, right? And, and even if Papa comes in and teases them or something like that, they have this assurance because they are rooted and they are grounded and they are assured in the love, they think, the love of their mom and dad, but what their mom and dad are doing is just giving them the love of Christ, right? But Paul's vision had a goal. I don't know if you remember that. It went by so fast last week. But the, the purpose of our hearts being encouraged, the purpose of our hearts being knit together, the purpose of being assured in Christ is so that one day we all might be presented mature in Christ, that everyone... And again, we're vulnerable because we tend to focus on ourselves. I want to be presented mature in Christ when I stand before him. But, but if that were true, Lord willing, that he would take us to be with himself. Instead, he leaves us because he doesn't just want us to know him. He wants everyone 
to not just know him, not just to receive him, but to learn to walk in him and to grow into the fullness of maturity that comes from walking with Christ. Okay, so what's happening this week then to that beautiful vision? Well, well thinking along those lines, the Apostle Paul then is, is giving us some stumbling blocks to this maturity, right? If, if Paul's goal is to present everyone mature in Christ, he recognizes that there's going to be some stumbling blocks to those things. And, and he calls them out. They're going to go by really fast here. I apologize. But, but I, I wanted to put them in the notes here so that you could think deeply about it. My suspicion is that some will resonate with you and some won't. Some you're vulnerable to and some you are not. But, but Paul says, um, here's some things that are going to keep you from maturing in Christ. What? Delusions, he said. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments, right? In other words, to delude is to impose a misleading belief on someone. To impose a misleading belief. Have you ever been in that situation where you're pretty firm in something, and all of a sudden you hear an argument that is exactly the opposite of what you know to be true, but it's plausible. You, the way that people put it, you know, maybe they have silky speech or something, but all of a sudden it sounds plausible. Maybe, maybe they are so sincere. One of the brothers um, on the retreat I've known for 20 years, and, and he, said, he said, Dave, you are so sincere, right? I love that about you. Well, I, and I said back to him, well, I could be sincerely wrong, right? But isn't that funny? I mean, you see, somebody has this, this argument or this thought process or this nature, and you go, wow, uh, that must be true, right? Paul says, be careful. Let no one delude you, right? Don't let them impose on you a misleading belief, Paul says. And he says, so delusions are something we have to be careful of. Uh, he says, also, you've got to be careful about the appearance of wisdom, Right? See to it, he says, that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Wow, wow. When um, I, I was studying engineering geology and I was finishing my last semester at UCLA and I realized that I'm not going to be an engineering geologist. And, um, and I had... I had received the call uh, two years before, right? And uh, out of faithfulness to my parents, um, I said, I want, to tra- I want to transfer to Bible school, right? And they said, do us a favor, stay there, finish the course, right? And then do whatever you want, right? Um, and, and so uh, my senior year, I recognized that I wanted, I still had a moral dilemma going on, but I wanted to spend my life telling people about Jesus. And, and, and I realized to do that, I'm going to have to go back. If, to go to seminary, I'm going to have to go back and pick up philosophy classes. And so, um, so I spent an extra semester after I graduated. I had enough credits to graduate. I'm still at UCLA taking philosophy classes and, and, and things like that. I remember it because there were seven of us in a one-bedroom apartment for that semester it was crazy it was crazy 
But it was, it was amazing at the same time. Why I do that? Even to this day, I do not enjoy um, philosophies. I want to spend my time focusing on Jesus, right? But how are you going to recognize worldly philosophies? How are you going to know that they're affecting you, right? Unless you're aware of them, unless someone like Paul points them out to us. Now, he points out many things here, but he says, I want you to be careful about worldly philosophies. And, and what I wrote in your things, you're going, what is that, a Greek word or something? Isms. Do you know isms, right? There are myriad isms that, uh, that are, uh, you're swimming in, <laughs> as a fish, you're swimming in them all day long, every day, and you don't realize it. Um, a, a big one is, is capitalism. Do not misunderstand me. I'm grateful to live in a country where, where um, it, people have individual property rights and, and you can succeed by hard work and, and you can uh, be blessed with resources and then bless other people. I, I, but, but if you did not, if you did not, were not aware of it, all of a sudden capitalism can slide over to, here's another ism, consumerism, right? And all of a sudden you can just live for all of those things. Well, I want to I try and oversimplify, if I could, because there were isms in Paul's day that are very much present in our day as well. And I want to just, I'm, I'm pulling two out of 50 that I could pull here. But one of them was hedonism, right? Hedonism. And it, it expressed itself in a philosophy that was very common in the Apostle Paul's day and is now, though we don't use the word, Epicureanism. In other words, that expression, it's, it's, it's oversimplified and summarized in the phrase, eat, drink, and be merry, help me for tomorrow you may die. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? Right? And so, um, hedonism says, if this is all I got, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live for me. I'm going to live for me. And uh, the Apostle Paul spent the entire first chapter of Romans talking about that, speaking against that. But it's, a, it's very much a, a philosophy that was present in his day, very much a philosophy that's present in ours. Now, now I, I chose these two because they're polar opposites. Um, the second one is asceticism. There's that nasty word we saw in Colossians 2, but, but it, it simply means uh, in other words, instead of engaging in everything, I'm going to withdraw from everything. I'm going to take everything out. Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. It's still present in our culture in monasticism, right, where people withdraw from society, withdraw from temptation um, to extremes. And, and the Apostle Paul saying there's another way, right? And now in our culture, there's a couple powerful ones working against you right now that if you were not aware of it, then, then you might not recognize it when you see it. But one of those is, is relativism, right? In other words, um, truth is whatever is true for you, right? Uh, and and I, we have to be a little careful because we, we do this as well when we talk about our faith. Uh, some of our songs, some of our hymnology talks about my faith, right? My faith. And, and in other words, God is whatever is God to me, right? And, and, and even in Christendom, we can, we can paint a picture of a God who does not exist, right? Who's basically uh, 
purpose is to provide for me everything I want, to keep me from pain, to provide for me blessing. And, and, and the Bible has no understanding of that, right? There is absolute truth. There is something right and there is something wrong. Are you, are you feeling me in this? Right? Our culture doesn't get this right now, right? Now, we have to be very careful because uh, a lot of things that I understood to be true as a 15-year-old I realized there are much more nuanced than that, right? Um, but it was really helpful for me then to, to recognize there is truth and there is falsehood, right? Um, it's not just what's true for me. It's not just my faith. It's the faith in the New Testament. The faith, right? Wow. So relativism is a, is a huge uh, well, I was talking to Christian earlier, it's the water we swim in, right? We, we don't even realize it's affecting our thought processes. By the, same, by the same token, humanism, right? And I know there's a lot of definitions for humanism, but, but that in humanism, we understand that the individual human is the starting point for everything, right? Is the starting point for everything. Is that true, beloved? Is it true? It's true that we, it's all around us, right? But is it true? Do you see what Paul's trying to do? Be careful, he says. See to it that no one takes you captive by these things, right? See to it that no one, let no one take you captive. Because once you get captive in it, it's very hard to break free. Well, those are four of, of 50 different philosophies that are vying for your attention. The Apostle Paul says, be very careful out there. See to it that no one takes you captive by these, by philosophies. By the way, philosophy literally means uh, love of wisdom. Sophia is wisdom. And, and phileo, you recognize that, that biblical term for love, right? Uh, and so it's a lover of wisdom. And please don't misunderstand me. I want you to be a lover of wisdom. I just don't want you to be a lover of earthly wisdom, right? I want you to be a lover of the wisdom that only God can provide and that God freely provides, James 1, when you ask him for it, right? Be careful of worldly philosophies. Be careful of out-and-out lies as well, right? And, and just countless. I mean, everything is a deception. Um, three or four of the emails that are on your phone right now are just out-and-out out deceptions trying to get you to give your information so that they can access your resources, right? Uh, and, and one of the reasons I'm going to, uh, with Sessions' permission, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, go back to be with my dad is because somebody got a hold of his information. And, and his whole identity has been compromised, and they're writing checks on his account, and they're doing all kinds of stuff. My, my blessed sister, my lawyer sister, is so good at these kinds of things, is just overwhelmed trying to provide. Um, lies are going on all around you. No surprise, right? Because we saw in Genesis 2 how that is the strategy of the evil one. Did, did God really say that? Or, or, yes, you need God. Remember our equation? Jesus plus nothing equals everything. You need, you need God, but you also need this, right? Or that. So, so um, lies are a powerful 
stumbling block. And we have to be careful for that, right? One of, one of the lies that is so prevalent in our culture, I'm going to step on toes, but I'm always stepping on my toes when I'm stepping on yours, uh, is astrology, right? I'm sorry, but your future and your present are not governed by what's happening in celestial bodies up there. Even as I thought about that this morning, I thought, well, well yes, I am. I'm governed by the gravitational pull of the moon, uh, you know, high tides, all kinds of stuff like that. Um, but do you see how all of a sudden I can start going, oh, my, full moon tonight. See what I just did? See what I just did? I took a giant step toward this. Then all of a sudden I'm, I'm opening the paper and I'm looking at when I was born and the position of the stars and it's telling me, you know, don't, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. All that stuff creeps in. Can I really step on your toes? <laughs> what am I doing? Oh, uh, I, uh, I hope everything goes well today. And it always cracks me up. It always cracks me up. And, and people do it. And I say, because they're always, who has a wooden desk anymore, right? They have, they have Formica tops on their desk. Knock on Formica, you know? Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to, I'm just saying, see? See how these things creep into our vocabulary, they creep into our understanding. Boy, worldly philosophies, lies. How about, how about human traditions, right? Human traditions. About three-quarters of the thing my family will do this Christmas have nothing to do with Christmas, or with Jesus anyway. Right? It has everything to do with American Christmas. And, and don't misunderstand me, right? I will still do those things. Traditions are good. They provide continuity. Just be very careful when you start attributing truth and things to things that cannot hold them, right? Be very, be very careful what you make a tradition. Paul puts it in Colossians. says, these things are a shadow of things to come, right? Uh, they're not the things to come. The substance of things to come belongs to Christ. And the way I interpret this is there's some, there's some good traditions. We stand up, we sit down, we say certain things. There's some good traditions, but don't confuse them, right, with Jesus. I'm going deep in this, but walk with me just a couple more words. Animism, right? He says twice in our passage, according to the elemental spirits of the world. Animism is the belief that objects or places or creatures all possess a distinct spiritual essence, right? And so all of a sudden we're worshiping trees. All of a sudden we're giving spiritual essence to things that are material, right? Um, one, of the, one of the more visible um, expressions of that in our culture is, is a Native American religion, oftentimes is animistic. It, it gives spiritual essence to things that have no spiritual essence. Animism is... Uh, is the water that we're swimming in mysticism as well? I know right now all kinds of things are 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 popping into your um, into your mind, but let me just let me define this by saying mysticism is professing or practicing altered states of consciousness. I'm not talking about. Um, um, artificially induced altered states of consciousness. But you can do that all by yourself. And, uh, spiritually, you, can, you have to be very, very careful. And, and, 
and what the evil one has done is taken things that are really good and made them very dangerous, right? You can see that in the temptation of Jesus. Jesus comes back to him with the word of God, and so he takes the word of God and tries to twist it. The same thing can happen in mysticism. Meditation is a very good thing, right? But the purpose of meditation is not to empty your mind, to alter your state of consciousness, but the purpose of meditating on the Word of God is to fill your mind, right? By the way, we don't have time today, but over and over again he talks about filled in this thing, and that's because there was a Gnostic temptation for them to talk about the fullness, pleroma, the, being filled with all these things. And, and Paul's actually kind of slamming them. He's saying, be filled with Jesus, right? That will be enough, right? Be filled with Christ. So mysticism is a great temptation. And Paul says, don't let anyone disqualify you. Is that not a strong enough term for you, right? Uh, all of a sudden, you can think that you're following Jesus and you're following the elemental principles of the world instead. And don't get me started on religious legalism, right? Wow, wow. Paul is just overwhelmed. So uh, why, as if you were still alive in and to the world, do you submit to all these regulations, right? Do not handle, do not test, taste, do not touch, right? These are all talking about things that perish, you know, aren't going to last. They're all human precepts and teaching. Oh, yeah, they have the appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they're no value, he says. Please don't misunderstand. Did you hear in Psalm 1, uh, his delight is in what? The law of the Lord, right? Um, don't hear me say that God has not given us his word to help uh, Help us with boundaries to know uh, where the good path is. But when all of a sudden you start adding all kinds of human things to God's word, all of a sudden when you start getting legalistic about Sabbath or about you name it, we'll make it, we'll make it legalistic. Uh, I've seen people when they died, it recorded in their obituary how many communions they'd had. Now how's that for missing the point of communion, right? Um, and, 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 and it's so easy, so easy to do. Be careful. Be careful when, when people start judging you for what you do or do not do. That is not grace. That is not Jesus. Well, all of these things. Come on up, worship team, if you would. Don't get your hopes up, congregation, Okay. All of these things are, are what, um, what is commonly called heresies. In other words, they're biblical truths that have been twisted. What Paul would do is he would establish truth in a community, and then because he was a sent one, he would move on to the next community. He would leave behind pastors and elders and other people to guide them. But then, but then false teachers would move in and, and start adding or subtracting from the simplicity of the gospel, the simplicity of the world, uh, of the word that they had received. All of these things, Paul says, are biblical heresy or false teaching. And again, my point to myself and to you is to say we dabble in them all the time. 
And all of a sudden, it's not dabbling. All of a sudden, it's controlling, taking us captive. It's deluding us. It's disqualifying us. All of a sudden, those things have become the main thing. And we want Jesus to be the main thing. That, that is actually the antidote then. The antidote for heresy is Christ, right? Therefore, he says, because of all this, as you received Christ Jesus at the Lord. I love this because so many people, even in our midst, are receiving Jesus. People, some of whom just met him, some of whom have been church members for a long time, are coming to faith in Jesus Christ and Christ alone. And Paul says it's not just about being saved, right? It's about walking in him now, uh, being rooted up, right, in, in, in him and established in the faith. So, so there is this beautiful expression. I'm not going to read it again, though it would certainly be worthy of reading five or ten times right now. This beautiful uh, expression of not only who Christ is, but what Christ did. Let me summarize who he is by saying, in him, the Apostle Paul says, the fullness of deity dwells bodily. God became flesh and walked among us, the Apostle John says, right? In him, in Christ, you put off the stumbling blocks to maturity. And that's the image of circumcision. You you spiritually Put them off. They no longer are a part of you. You've had spiritual circumcision. He goes in further. Not just did you put off those things, but you died to those things. You died uh, uh, to the, the, the worldly philosophies, to, to the elemental principles of this world. You died to them. And that now he slides in, in, in the rhapsody, he slides into to the... Uh, sacrament of baptism, right? That's what, that's what the imagery is, being buried with Christ, right? Dying to those things, and then through God's power being raised from the dead. In Him you not only died, but in Him you were resurrected. And now the Apostle Paul says, in Him you live and walk in faith, rooted, built up foundationalized, established, and, and thankful, and thankful. So I take you back again, if I could, to the very beginning of our time. Remember that beautiful vision? Paul says, I want you, I want you to be mature, fully grown in Christ, right? I want you to not just be saved, but I want you to mature in Christ and and." be so much more than saved to be blessed right the apostle Paul says blessed is the one who walks not in the counsel of the wicked nor stands in the way of sinners nor sits in the seat of scoffers but his or her delight is in the law of the Lord and in the law of the Lord he meditates day and night what is the vision like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. May it be said of us, whatever he did, whatever he does, whatever she does, she didn't just survive. She prospers. She prospers. Oh, God, thank you so much for the Apostle Paul, for his realism. He's not afraid to shoot straight with us and tell us not only the vision, the beauty, 
that we aspire to, but tell us the things that are going to cause us to trip and to fall. And God, I pray, I pray that you might open our eyes, not only to the things of this world that are vying for our attention, but especially to the presence of Christ in the midst of it. God, God, we will give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen.